Good morning, uh, ladies and gentlemen, or good afternoon, good evening, uh, wherever you might be. Uh, I'm John Duke Anthony, the founding president and chief executive officer of the National Council on U.S.-Arab uh, Relations. On a rise with Tanfidi Lee, Matus Alwatani, the Alakat Araba Amriki. We have a distinct uh, privilege and pleasure and honor uh, to focus on one of the most important uh, Arab countries, Middle Eastern countries, Islamic countries, and I would make the case globally vital uh, countries, namely the Sultanate of Oman. Uh, today, yesterday, and every day uh, for decades now, <clears throat> fully one quarter of every barrel of oil <clears throat> that is transacted financially, internationally, <clears throat> goes through Oman's territorial waters in the strategic uh, Hormuz Strait. Oman also was the first country <clears throat> to join hands with the United States to respond to the 1979 December Soviet invasion and occupation of Afghanistan <clears throat> and working with the United States, uh, which was the furthest great power from the region in terms of forward deployed armed forces, <clears throat> Oman stepped up uh, with then President Jimmy Carter uh, to work assiduously uh, for a victory uh, that ended the Soviet presence in Afghanistan. And that too led directly into the end of atheistic, godless international communism, uh, an experiment led by Moscow for more than uh, seven decades. Uh, for those and many other reasons of Oman's behind the scenes, peaceful, quiet, and therefore much more effective diplomacy, is late Majesty Sultan Qaboos uh, bin Said Al Busaid, Allah Yehamu, may God rest his soul and mercy upon him, uh, received the first ever Arab International Peace Award with the National Council and 33 other organizations, including the Kennedy Center, Harvard University, the Air Force Academy and close to three dozen other sister non-governmental organizations. Oman is an extraordinary country that I've been privileged to visit some 54 times now. And often in association in one way or another with Professor Linda Funch, <clears throat> who's uh, a book on Oman uh, reborn and its modernization um, has been widely received, respected, and favorably reviewed to the extent that it has been translated into Arabic and a bestseller in Oman itself. And she's currently working on a sequel to that book focusing on Oman's women and their role in the Sultanate's modernization. Mm -hmm. uh, Professor Funch first went to Oman in 1974. She's been there two dozen times since then, uh, working closely uh, with the office of uh, His Majesty's advisor on cultural affairs. Uh, His Excellency Mohammed uh, 
Abdulaziz bin Mohammed Al Rawas, uh, and now working in association with a research grant on a work on women with the Sultan Qaboos Cultural Center in here in the nation's capital. Professor Funch. Thank you, Dr. Anthony, and congratulations to you and to the staff, as well as to the extended family of the National Council on US-Arab Relations on the 30th anniversary of this annual Policymakers Conference, a highly anticipated event that provides clarity and invaluable insights on the history, culture, and modern dynamics of the Arab world. I've had the good fortune to have been the beneficiary of the National Council's mission, both in the field and in the classroom. As a Joseph J. Malone alumna, as a scholar escort on multiple study visits to the region, as a model Arab League advisor for undergraduates, and now as a member of its International Advisory Board. My own professional career has benefited immeasurably from the support and activities of the National Council. Through multiple visits to the region, new friendships and professional associations, and critical insights gathered from events such as this highly anticipated annual conference. Some 15 years ago, the National Council afforded me the opportunity to return to the Sultanate of Oman after three decades. Oman is a country that I had visited in the 1970s and never forgotten. Throughout the years, I followed its evolution, albeit from afar, with keen interest. Since that fateful study visit as a member of a delegation of educators in 2006, I have returned to Oman numerous times, <clears throat> accompanying groups of both military and civilian travelers to that enchanted land and sharing with them and others through a series of publications the unique narrative that renders that country the good news story of the Middle East. Largely overlooked in the mainstream media, the Sultanate of Oman flies under the radar of breaking news, routinely escaping headlines and global attention. Even within the community of Middle East scholars, research in Oman is relatively sparse. This is an unfortunate omission because a region that is frequently characterized as monolithic and racked by unending divisions and strife, there is Oman, a hidden gem, a land of ancient lore, natural beauty, and extraordinary achievement. In many ways, the Sultanate represents the exception to the rule. From its geostrategic location at the crossroads of major land and sea routes, to its rich history at the center of ancient copper and frankincense trade, to its 19th century history as a commercial empire spanning Arabia, Africa, and South Asia, Oman's modern story is compelling. In the mid 20th century, an unfortunate constellation of factors plunged the Sultanate of Oman 
into a state of extreme poverty, internal divisions, and isolation from much of the world. By 1970, Oman was a country fraught with seemingly unsurmountable challenges. With only three government-funded primary schools in the entire country, enrolling approximately 900 boys, illiteracy was rampant. Modern healthcare for ordinary citizens, aside from that provided by generations of American volunteers in Muscat, was unknown. Disease and malnutrition deprived Omanis, whose life expectancy was roughly 47 years, of much hope for the future. Absent modern infrastructure, there were a total of 10 kilometers or six miles of paved road in the entire country, whose territory on the southeastern littoral of the Sea of Oman and the Arabian Sea features dramatic mountain ranges vast desert expanses, and more than 1,000 miles of coastline. Further, internal divisions and secessionist warfare, largely driven by Cold War powers in the South, drained the limited coffers of the national treasury. Development, as we understand it, was but a mirage. This all changed in July of 1970, when Qaboos bin Said bin Taymur became the Sultan of Oman. Proclaiming that yesterday was complete darkness and tomorrow will be a new dawn, over the course of the next 50 years, Sultan Qaboos, may he rest in peace, transformed his country beyond recognition. His vision and resolve ultimately united the people of Oman, diverse in many ways, in common purpose, producing a cohesive national spirit that is palpable to this day. The architect of the modern Omani Renaissance developed the infrastructure of a modern state, introducing an ambitious program of social welfare including education and healthcare for all citizens, empowering women to be full participants in the development of the country, raising the standard of living for all citizens, developing modern institutions of government, including a constitution, bicameral parliament, and universal suffrage, and establishing the rule of law. The legacy of Sultan Qaboos lives in the hearts and minds of every Omani. As a result of his efforts, Oman today is a stable and vibrant country, led by Sultan Haitham bin Tariq bin Taimur, an exceptional, capable successor to his late majesty. Sultan Haitham is a leader with outstanding credentials the chief author of Oman's Vision 2040 Sustainable Development Program, he is guided by the principles of his predecessor in both domestic and foreign affairs, ensuring the economic viability of the Sultanate and observing Oman's commitment to peace, 
neutrality and non-interference in the internal affairs of other nations. As friend to all, enemy to none, the example of Oman is one which might well serve as a model for others in these contentious times. With that, it is my very great honor to turn the program over to Dr. Anthony, who will introduce the distinguished representative of the Sultanate of Oman in the United States, His Excellency Ambassador Musa Hamdan Adai. Dr. Anthony. Thank you. Thank you, Professor Funch, for that uh, background, a very valuable uh, context and uh, personal and professional uh, perspective. Uh, Mr. Ambassador, uh, you have become increasingly well-known in the nation's capital as the representative of the country that has longest had a diplomatic history and relationship with the United States, dating from 1833 and that treaty of known as the Roberts Treaty in English of uh, uh, amity or friendship and commerce. And sending the first uh, Arab ambassador uh, to the United States, sailing all the way from Oman uh, to New York City and the shores of the United States uh, to meet with the then uh, US government administration and White House uh, staff and leadership. Ambassador El-Tai uh, comes uh, uh, with a diverse, rich and storied uh, preparation, experience and career. I'm going to dispense with any further personal introduction of the ambassador in order to allow him more time to focus on the substance of uh, his remarks, uh, because Oman is uh, still underappreciated, not nearly as well known and respected as it deserves and needs to be the case. On the other hand, its hallmark, its trademark, and that of the ambassador himself is low key, low profile, away from the headlights, away from press conferences in order to be more effective in earning and keeping the trust and confidence of parties uh, to contentious disputes. Uh, more than a dozen examples could be cited for where he and his colleagues as diplomats and working away from the limelight have helped to make a difference in bringing contentious conflicts uh, to the close and in other instances, preventing the outbreak of violence. Mr. Ambassador, the floor is yours. Thank you very much, Dr. Anthony. And thank you, Professor Linda, for your kind words. Uh, very well stated. And thank you for your efforts and your friendship with Oman and with myself since I, I arrived here uh, relatively recently. I am very pleased to address the 30th annual Arab-US Policymakers Conference. By the mere number marking three decades and going strong shows how important the role it plays in enriching the very important relations between the USA and the Arab world. Congratulations on the conference's third anniversary. 
Good morning and good afternoon to everybody and here and, and abroad. The, count, the National Council on US-Arab Relations has been a good friend of our region throughout. It plays an important role in bringing our people together, highlighting our common interests and enriching what sometimes fade due to geography. Our dear friend, Dr. John Duke Anthony has made numerous visits to our countries, including leading important delegation encompassing every field imaginable. We always cherish his visits to Oman, 54 as he stated, and looking for more, our friend. Thank you, John. Thank you, sir. The Sultanate of Oman is marking its 51st National Day of the Renaissance. All Omanis celebrate this auspicious occasion wherever they are. Congratulations to all to our leadership and to all people of Oman. This 18th of November anniversary comes around at a time when Omanis ponder about the achievements made so far and brace for further accomplishments with firm resolve under the astute leadership of His Majesty Sultan Haytham bin Tariq, who pledged to hold high the banner of renewed renaissance since he assumed power in the country on 11, 11 January 2020. Oman, like many other countries, has been affected by COVID-19 global pandemic. The authorities have been working to address both the health concerns and the economic challenges. Happily, we passed the worst stages and achieved significant improvements in our fiscal standing, which is recognized by major financial rating agencies. The principle of market economy guide the economic system of Oman. This does enhance the value of our geographic location and its importance in the international trade in the 21st century. Political stability, infrastructure seen in roads, airports, ports, industrial estates, access to regional markets, tourism, and investment opportunities in several development sectors. Oman Vision 2020 is a master plan of reforms aimed to diversify and further develop our economy. It puts emphasis on the role of the digital economy to drive e-commerce, improve public services, and support a thriving non-oil-based private sector. The main sectors of this vision include manufacturing, logistics, mining, tourism, and fisheries. Oman has also made significant investment and advancement towards addressing climate change, utilizing the very advantageous location, which, uh, which gives us exposure to solar energy, wind energy, among many other renewable sources of energy. In foreign policy, the Sultanate of Oman strives to have good relations with all states and nations. We enjoy diplomatic relations with virtually every country in the world. Oman follows a path of dialogue 
and encourages it. We value tolerance, peaceful coexistence, and non-interference in the internal affairs of others. We work to reduce tension in the region for regional security and stability through dialogue. We believe in peaceful settlement of disputes based on international law. I will address a few uh, regional challenges that we have in, in terms of political. On relations with Palestine and Israel, Oman is committed to peace based on two-state solution. Achieving this two-state solution would be the greatest contribution to regional peace. On Iran nuclear deal, also known as the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action or GCPOA. We do welcome the US intended return to the agreement and hope this would contribute positively and lead to stability in our region. On Yemen, Oman is a reliable partner of the US in the efforts to reach a peaceful settlement in Yemen. Likewise, in any other initiative designed to promote peace and stability in the Middle East. And I appreciate very much the comments made by uh, the previous speaker, General McKenzie, who we are happy to enjoy a good relation and would love to continue working with him and with his leadership and the government in achieving peace and cooperation in our region. We have welcomed the initiative announced by the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia to reach a political solution to the crisis in Yemen, and will continue to work with the UN and other parties to achieve such political settlement. We encourage the international community, especially donor countries and organizations to address the dire humanitarian situation in Yemen, to provide and deliver much needed humanitarian assistance. We understand it is very complicated, especially the suffering uh, of the general citizen across Yemen. And we hope to find a way to reach a ceasefire that allows uh, some sort of negotiations and settlement for the conflict with our partners and the international community. We know there is a positive move in this, in this direction with the appointment of a special envoy from the US and the appointment of a new uh, UN representative who hopefully will bring a new uh, momentum to settling this complicated conflict. In conclusion, while the scene may look complicated in the region, I do believe the leadership and the people of the region want to turn the page and work to achieve long sought aspiration for peace, development, and prosperity. Oman, as you said, Dr. Anthony, and also uh, Professor Linda, is working towards that. And we are very happy to contribute toward dialogue and reaching peace in our region among, among all our partners. The USA as a global leader and partner can contribute towards that. This conference does indeed highlight the need to work together. I would like to thank you again, the National Council 
on US-Arab relation and Dr. Anthony for this effort and, continue, and continued involvement. And we will continue to work with you and support you. And we thank you again for your visits to Oman. And I would like also to thank the listener for, for, for their attention. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Ambassador. And for the viewership and listenership, uh, you have the uh, quintessential uh, example and model of, uh, of modesty and self-effacement, uh, uh, characteristics that are all too rare. And many people who work politically in the sphere of public affairs, um, neglecting on my part in my brief introductory remarks was how Oman was perhaps the most visionary, strategic thinker and leader in the establishment of the six country Gulf Cooperation Council of Bahrain, Kuwait, Oman, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, and the United Arab Emirates. And it was at that first inaugural summit uh, that His Majesty Sultan Qaboos uh, insisted that there be a geostrategic and defense component uh, to what was also obviously in the economic interest uh, of the six founding members of the GCC for greater intra-regional uh, cooperation. Uh, and also what Oman has done in the case of Somalia and the case of international piracy in the Raven Sea and the Indian Ocean, uh, uh, which came to a halt, uh, not just because of the United States, Great Britain and France, but again, behind the scenes diplomacy by Omani representatives who went to Somalia uh, to ask the basic question, why do you engage in piracy? And in zeroing in on that with more than a dozen private diplomatic uh, entrees to Somalia, uh, Oman was the greatest regional contributor to taking that bold step to enhance security, stability, and the greater prospects for peace and prosperity uh, in the Arab East. Uh, Mr. Ambassador, we're grateful for your remarks on that and wonder if you might expand on an even less well-known component of Oman's geography and geostrategic, geoeconomic position. Uh, people know the name of Muscat, uh, people know the name increasingly of Salala. People are aware that uh, Oman is vital <clears throat> uh, to freedom of navigation and that it is the most strategically situated Arab country on the global east-west and west-east maritime routes. Uh, many other uh, ports, harbors, and facilities for logistical transportation, overflight, and sea rights uh, are situated in countries not nearly as favorably positioned and situated as is Oman. Uh, but there is now an additional logistical asset of global significance and implication for all countries' foreign policy objectives uh, on the eastern side of Oman called Dukum. In English, it would be spelled D U. Q. M. I won't 
ask the ambassador if you would be good enough to explain the significance of what this means, not just for Oman and the Omani people, but for the region beyond Oman and global well-being as well. Were you comfortable addressing that question, Mr. Ambassador? Yes, yes. Uh, thank you, dear Dr. Anthony. Uh, as I stated earlier, one of the pillars of uh, Vision 2040 is logistics. And uh, DOCOM, also known as Special Economic Zone of DOCOM, is a very vast geographical area in, in the eastern central part of Oman, uh, located open on the Arabian Sea. It's more than 500 square kilometer of area designated as a special economic zone uh, to further our uh, development in terms of economic and especially logistic that goes back to our seafaring history where actually that part was part played big part in the trade in from ancient times we think it's a very opportunist for many international investments uh, it is a very diverse industrial state. It's one of our latest industrial states. We do, as you stated, have Sohar and Salala. So DOCOM uh, has the potential to contribute a lot in the future of Oman economically uh, with this huge and diverse and very well developed master plan that allows uh, heavy industry, uh, medium-sized industry, and even small industry the seaport, a dry dock, and uh, many other industries are developing. There is a huge interest globally from various regions. And this port is very, very big and receiving big ships that visit, whether it's uh, you know, for trade or for court uh, services, and some of the maintenance that being done by the dry dock that is now uh, growing very fast and fast and rapidly in very well located area across the navigation routes uh, around the world. So I think, you know, it is very, very much part of our plans and I hope it gets uh, further attention uh, from the international community, community. I know there is a lot of an interest also from the US for a lot of court, court visits and for investments and uh, I invite uh, everybody who is interested to look into it or reach out to me or, you know, to Oman directly uh, about uh, exploring uh, the opportunities in DOCOM port and DOCOM uh, special economic zone. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Ambassador. Could you mention the role of China in um, this uh, vision and this development plan? Americans are being fed a narrative of, of China as a threat. Uh, I do not believe that Omanis perceive China as a threat. Uh, it is an ascendant geopolitical player and partner, uh, but a threat, no. Uh, and in the case of Dukum in particular, but you could give other examples, uh, China has been uh, a vital partner to Oman. Could you elaborate on this if what I stated is correct? In case of Dukum, as I said earlier, there is a interest from various uh, 
economic partners. China is a global economic uh, player, and it may have interest in some parts of industrial parts of the DOCOM. Uh, there isn't much yet developing, but a lot of uh, interest has been presented to Oman. If it fits with our balanced uh, development for the you know, economic region and with our plans for development, obviously we welcome every investment. Likewise, uh, as I said earlier, we invite the US. We have, we have very strong partnership economically with the United States. We have a free trade agreement. We have other framework agreements that really would contribute to doing business between the US and Oman. We have, uh, in, in terms of our uh, access port to the region through the or through our other our ports, we can facilitate, for example, a lot of plants that would serve the region from uh, American businesses. Uh, I mentioned earlier, renewable energy is very much in play there, uh, among many other opportunities for America and for uh, all our partners that would, would be beneficial for both sides. So everybody is welcome, as you said, you know, and you mentioned earlier, our good relation very much with every country in the world. We are very much interested in doing business. Okay, thank you, sir. Um, a different question, uh, hope you would feel comfortable addressing, uh, would be the nature of your, your work, your, your weekly or daily activities in terms of your priorities representing the Sultanate to the entire United States of America. It's one thing for Americans to go to Oman and to experience it personally, professionally, culturally, socially, developmentally, and to realize that uh, Oman takes a portion of any visitor's heart uh, and uh, is slow to, to give it back. Uh, certainly, uh, it still has a significant portion of, of my heart. It's people uh, long ago won me over. Uh, what is it, uh, Your Excellency, that you focus on the most in terms of priorities, including the educational component of how many uh, Omani students are studying at American institutions of higher education? or engaged in other activities for leadership training, uh, education and development. Uh, might you uh, give us a window on your life as a diplomat in trying to strengthen, improve, protect and enhance the Omani-US relationship? Thank you. Well, I do, I do hope and I do invite everybody to visit Oman and interact with Oman and uh, take their time. And I'm sure they will not regret visiting Oman, whether it's for vacation or for business. And you, you mentioned that earlier. But on the other hand, we are here. The embassy is open. The embassy represents Oman. Every sector of Oman is represented. And I am here trying to reach out to as many as possible uh, leaders, regional and here in Washington, I arrived a little bit at, uh, I've been here less than a year and I arrived at a little bit, uh, you know, challenging time in terms of traveling and reaching out, but we do have this technology, we have other, other venues and things are opening up. But I do focus, I, I very much appreciate the welcome I received from the American government. We are working with our counterparts on all issues. 
and we are trying to, while we don't have problems directly between Oman and the US, we are working in addressing a lot of regional challenges and trying to put hands together to resolve many of the issues you mentioned. We do try to keep a, a low profile on this because it is uh, conducive for the success of these efforts to a little bit try to work on them uh, directly with the people concerned. But we try to be out when it is needed and, and speak about these things because these are positive things we're doing with uh, our, our partners in the United States. And we always appreciate working with them at every level. Here, personally, I'm trying also to engage the business community and try to utilize the framework agreements we have, like the free trade agreement, uh, exchanges, many of the exchange programs that we have to try to get the interest. We know the geography sometimes is challenging, but there is so many opportunities. And every now and then I hear a lot of successful stories that people made the extra step, went the extra mile and did something good between Oman and the United States. So we would like to see more of that. I am here, I, am, I will continue working with this. I am very, very honored to be working in this uh, capital surrounded by friends, my staff in the embassy are open and ready to work with everybody. And hopefully, hopefully we do something that make us proud from both sides. As to education, yes, you know, as it is known globally, the United States is a leader in education, many of state of the art, highly ranked universities. And we are interested in getting some of our students some of them an international scholarship financed by the Ministry of Higher Education and some of them come up on their own uh, to actually learn in these very highly rated institutions. So we hope to continue that. Uh, we have some 4,000 4, students at the moment. We're trying to get more. Traveling is not easy, but, but we hope we can get more and we have to learn a little bit more and get some of this education taught as well in Oman. Maybe some of the institutions can do, uh, you know, agreements where some of the teaching be done in both sides of the oceans. And, and we look forward to continue that. That's fantastic. Uh, uh, one last question. Um, uh, not only is China seen as a threat by the American media and a fair uh, number of members of the United States Congress and uh, various public policy research institutes. Um, but Iran, for an even longer period, has been seen as a major threat to the United States and to regional security and stability. Uh, it would be of great value and interest uh, if you could just speak about the importance of Iran from an Omani perspective. I mean, uh, all countries are looked at by other countries as objects uh, to be friends with or to avoid or to cooperate with. Uh, but at the same time, every country is an actor with its own legitimate needs, concerns, interests and goals. Um, how, from an, an Omani perspective, not an official viewpoint, but just an Omani perspective, is Iran viewed in the region and in its relationship with Oman? 
we we do have a good relationship with Iran. We have a good working relationship with Iran. Our uh, our region, you know, they all have like some sort one or another way of relation and interaction with Iran. Iran is our neighbor. It has been there. It will be there. So that is the reality we are we are working. We and you know we are working with. We understand the concerns of some of our uh, brothers, and we are always talking to them. Uh, we have in the past contributed to some, at least you know, uh, re reduction of tension between our uh, you know in the region between our brothers and you know with, uh, Iran. As to the U.S., we also worked in the past to bridge some difficulties. I know that, you know, and listening earlier to General McKenzie's remarks, I know there is a lot of work needed to, to diffuse this tension. We can work, we can work, we can help. We did in the past. If needed, we are very happy to contribute to providing stability and trying to bridge ideas between both sides. I think it is it is much needed. Uh, diffusing the tension and de-escalations is is very much needed in the region. In all issues that are uh, prevailing at the moment, one of them is uh, Iran's relation uh, in the region with with some of the countries in the region and with with the U.S. as well. So we are very happy to help if needed. But we would also would like to wish all parties a very successful in, uh, a conclusion to all these negotiations that are going whether directly or indirectly. Mr. Ambassador, thank you for uh, offering hard to come by, but ex exceptionally vital uh, information, insight, knowledge, understanding, and analysis. Uh, we couldn't ask for more. Uh, all the best to you, sir, and congratulations on your National Day. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you, and have have a good, uh, successful rest of the conference in the today and tomorrow. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me again. Sure, inshallah, mashallah. Thank you, sir. All the best. Mashallah. Thank you.